Welcome to this episode of the This Is Believe One podcast. I am your host, James Mastrucci, and I am joined by my co-host, Jordan Cohen. Jordan, welcome. Thank you, thank you. How's it going? It's going pretty good. We've got some exciting stuff coming up in a few weeks, but we, you know, we'll kind of put that out there when the time comes. But you know, stay tuned, stay ready for this, because we got some exciting new stuff coming here uh, between This Is Believe One and the site that you write for, Real Browns fans. Yep, yep. I'm really excited for it. So, a few, few more weeks. A few more weeks. We want to have that uh, out there and ready to go. But right now, we're talking about something. That, it's still it's still a relevant topic, to be honest, even though it happened a week ago. But it's still a relevant topic, and that's Carl Nassib of the Raiders. Former Browns defensive end. He is the first active, openly gay player in NFL history. And that was a very landmark, monumental moment for the sport. Yeah. I mean, I am just so happy, like, and I saw, like, these dumbasses, sorry for the language, dumbasses on Twitter saying, like, oh, like, the NFL shouldn't be political, and, like, I I mean, like, besides the fact that, like, you go to a game and you stand for the national anthem, like, this isn't political, right? it's not. (laughs) This isn't a political move. It's not like he's saying, like, he endorses a political party, Mm -hmm. or, like, to, to me, this is just awesome. This is like getting rid of some of like the kind of toxic masculinity that exists in the NFL. I think it's being vulnerable. I think it's awesome. Yeah, it's it's a it's a really great thing to see. And on top of that, he made a, a one hundred thousand uh, dollar donation to the Trevor Project, which the NFL also matched, which is a uh, youth program for LGBTQ. Uh, to, you know, it's kind of like an outreach program. And it's it's very helpful that he made that sizable of a donation. The NFL actually uh, matched it, and you know during Pride Month, that is all things too. So perfect timing uh, in regards to that. Yeah, yeah. I also like just guy like not to crap on a Browns coordinator, but I'm about to crap on a Browns coordinator. <laughs> guys like Mike Prefer, like these guys don't belong in the NFL. Correct. Right. And like I get like the oh it was a comment a few years ago. Like I don't know. To me, like, this is, like, Mike Prefer doesn't belong in the NFL, right? Like, 5% of people, like, statistically are LGBTQ, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the general, like, it, there's just no, you can't be open because of people like Mike Prefer in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, he's only the, the, the vocal minority of people that are like that. Because I can tell you right now, there are tons of other people that think the exact same way he does. And, 100%. And you know, like you just said, people will respond with, oh, that was a couple years ago. He's changed now. But you know what? There's a saying that's a tiger never changes his stripes, okay? He, he's just not saying it out loud anymore. He's not saying it so people hear him. He still thinks that right. stuff. Let's be real here. Right. And, like, not to use, like, a Holocaust analogy, but to use a Holocaust analogy, like, guess what we did after the Holocaust? Guess what the world did? They punished Nazis, even those that said... That, that apologized and said they don't believe it anymore. Like, mm-hmm. they're still, and I'm, again, I'm not saying, like, he did not kill millions of people. Like, I get that. But, like, he advocated for it. He did. He like, wanted. His statement was nuke the gays. Yeah, he put, put him on an island and nuke it till it glows. Okay? Right. Which is, on any level, whatever your viewpoint is towards uh, the gay community is completely unacceptable. You cannot like gays. That's 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 fine. But yeah, you just said it right there. He's advocating for genocide, which is ridiculous. Yeah, and like to me, it's everyone's like so surprised that like I saw on Twitter, and 
I, I'm so happy about it, but I keep seeing tweets like, surprised it finally happened. It's like, yeah, there's a reason you're surprised, right? Because yeah. guys like, like Prefer are all, all, are all over the place. Mm-hmm. And so these players don't feel comfortable because they're worried about their next contract, right? They're worried about even being able to see the field. Yeah. And that's that's a good point there. I mean, there's a lot of people uh, were putting some stuff out there. Oh, that means it means he's going to get cut, or he's trying to protect himself being from being cut, or he's never going to get another contract again, or the Raiders are going to get rid of him. And the first thing I thought of when I saw people saying that the Raiders are going to cut him are people don't know the history of the Raiders very well. They, right? They, they've been a franchise willing to you know, buck the trends or, you know, go with the opposite way of thinking. I mean, they hired the first modern-day minority head coach in Tom Flores. They hired the first modern-day African-American head coach in Art Shell. They had the first NFL CEO who was a female, and that was Amy Trask. Okay? They're not afraid to to go into the unknown. Okay? And having a, a gay player on the roster and embracing them is, honestly... Kind of the Raider way, if you think about it. It's something yeah, like, different. Yeah, like, honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, like, the, I don't think there's a team... And first off, Nassim's still a good player. Like, Browns yeah. fans, like, have this weird, like, view of him as that he was a bad player and that's why he got cut. Like, no, he got cut because Hugh Jackson was a bad coach. Yes. Right, and, and like, he played well in Tampa and he played well last year in Oakland. He mm-hmm. does play special teams and he's a rotational edge rusher And linebacker. you know what? You need those guys. You do. No, trust me, I would take him on the Browns in a nanosecond. Same. Like, and, and so he is not getting cut. And by the way, like this idea that, oh, he's doing it now so he doesn't, that's like the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Like, mm-hmm. the, I, I, first off, I, the one that I hated most that I saw on Twitter was jersey sales. Like, do these people, like, sorry, you're an idiot. Like, NFL players don't get one dime from their jersey sale. Yeah, they don't. They, get they don't nothing. get a dime. Right. So, So that's one. Two, I saw the dumb, like, oh, well, he's doing it to not get cut. Like, guys, we, again, going back to Mike Prefer, we have the NFL filled with guys like Mike Prefer. I'm pretty sure coming out as gay has many more consequences than not. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I, I don't think, like, to me, it's not, he, he was never going to get cut in the first place. I don't think this will result in him getting cut. But, like, if I were him, I would be more worried about getting cut now than I was before. And, again, I think you're right. It's the Raiders. Like, I think he's probably, like, if there's a franchise that's going to be willing to do this in the NFL, it is the Raiders. Yeah, and if there is a franchise willing to take on all of the flack that's going to come with it, because let's be real here, they're going to get flack for this from some of those, uh, I guess, out there groups and organizations and people that are going to protest because of it because, you know, they're horrible people. They're they're ready for it. They're prepared for it. Yeah, I mean, I get. So here's my thing. Like, it's not just the out there. Like, I mean, yes, they are out. Their views are out there. But the problem is, like, those comments get repeated on national television. Yeah, and that's a huge problem, honestly. Right, like that's that's a massive problem. Right, and I think you're right. Like, the Raiders, out of any franchise, are the ones that are going to be able to handle it. But like, I mean, to me, it's sad that like it's taking this long it's sad that people are surprised and, and you know I, I know there was also some other perspective of why are people making a big deal out of this there's been gay players in the nfl there hasn't been one that's active on a roster on the right. field who's right. you know who's been open it's just it, it right. hasn't happened before 
there's been other sports, of course, that there has been, you know, openly gay players, but football was not one of them. No, all active. not at all. So you think no. of uh, Jason Collins in the NBA was one, and that was towards the end of his career. And right. you you can you know why he did it at the end of his career. It's because he knew that the, the backlash that was going to come from it. Uh, and you, it came. It, it did. You, you look back to um, uh, Glenn Burke, who played for the Dodgers back a long time ago. Yep. And he basically got ran out of baseball. Yep. So there's... <laughs> There's a there's a, a lot of backlash that comes with this. So it was a very, very brave moment for Carl Nassib, and it's very I'm very you know I'm very happy for him. I'm glad to be able to be open and true to who he is. Yeah, me too. I'm I mean I'm really happy for him. I, I to me like again I don't think this is a political issue. Like I think this is like there's a serious problem in the NFL mm-hmm. and, and honestly in sports in general as you kind of just raised where like coming out results in you facing serious backlash like that's a serious problem that's not a political problem like that's not like politics is my job like i I am studying political science and international relations like this isn't politics like it's it's not it is like a deep social issue yeah in sports and i i mean the problem is we need brave people like carl nassib Mm -hmm. to do this to come out and and show the world but but we now we hope like again i'm glad he's on the raiders because we hope there's not backlash and there's i mean there's going to be but we hope it's not the backlash significant enough that he's out of the nfl in a few years yeah it you know like i said if there was a, a a football team prepared and ready for this it was the raiders it is right. the raiders right and i, I do think like i don't know John Gruden's politics or views on this. Again, I shouldn't say politics. I don't know his views on this, but like, I feel like he would be a coach that would be open to it. Like John Gruden always has just seemed like a guy that tries to get any advantage he can. And like, there's a market inefficiency because anytime somebody comes out as gay, they get cut. Mm -hmm. Right. Which means like there are good players. And if you're open to that, you're probably going to get more of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, from what I've seen, I haven't seen anything negative from the the team perspective on that, but I wouldn't expect that either, uh, considering their history. But I I haven't seen I've seen overwhelmingly positive things from the Raiders' perspective and the NFL perspective for the most part. The NFL yeah, perspective for the most part, because there are those fringe people out there that get all mad and bothered by something like this, which is completely ridiculous, but they're also the same people that don't think it's a, a really, who try to say this is a political thing, but at the same time try to say that praying in the end zone after a touchdown isn't a political thing. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> right, like, right. You, you, you made one thing, first of all, neither are, but you made one of them political and one of them not. They're, they're not really political things. Right, because labeling them political for these guys means we don't have to talk about it. Mm-hmm. right like that's what it does right when we label something political it means we don't have to talk about it yeah and that's why they're doing it right because they don't want to talk about it mm-hmm. and yeah. that's so i mean that's what's so unfortunate to me and, and again like i have seen national commentators doing this on like twitter yeah right i i, I did i was watching nfl network that night and i didn't see I, all i saw was like 
happy, which was great. I was really happy about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I am listen when the Raiders play their first regular season game in whatever Fox Sports or whatever network it ends up being on. They are going to talk about Carl Nassau. They're going the to talk game. about it. Yep, and I just hope it is not what I fear it could be. Right? Like I hope it is just all positive. I hope the national commentators that get the game are good because like first off, like it it should be talked about. It should not be the analysis of the game, right? Mm-hmm. That has no effect on the game whatsoever. Like Carl Nassib is a good NFL player. He's been a good NFL player for a long time. He's going to continue to be a good NFL player absent injury. Oh, right. And uh, I just looked up the Raiders' schedule. Yeah. Week one is Monday Night Football against the Ravens. That's outstanding. I mean, it could be awful, but like I also kind of hope. The, like, when it comes to game time, when it comes to the regular season. You're going to hear lots of Carl Nassib talk the week up to this game. Oh, yeah. Because we already heard a ton of it. You're going to hear a ton of it then. Yeah. I mean, my hope is they select the... Com- so, is Monday Night Football, is that set commentating team? Uh, the week one um, is usually the uh, the one where they have the double. Right. Monday Night Football. Right. So, so that one I, looks... I, just, I hope it's good. Like, there are plenty of both color commentary and play-by-play guys they could put up there that will be great um and i just hope that's what they put up and like i mean not to like not an old like rush like old like traditional dude yeah uh it's actually just uh just a one they went back to just one of monday night football so it's just the game okay okay i kind of like the double monday night football games for a little bit me too Does Tony Romo still commentate? Did he ever do Monday night? I thought he was... Was he Thursday night? He he does... Um, who does he work for? Yeah, I, <laughs> he doesn't I, work I for ESPN, so it's not going to be him. Okay. Um, I always forget where he works for. Um, because, you know, uh, he works with uh, Jim Nance on CBS Sports. CBS, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that would have been a great team. I would have been good with that team. Mm-hmm. Um, like, in a lot of the stuff that came out when Nassib did come out, like, was saying, like, NFL players have known this, but they don't, nobody wants to say anything because they're so afraid of lo- of their career ending. Yeah. Or worse. Yeah. Or, yeah. Like, or, or worse. Or worse. You know, and that's, that's, and it's extremely unfortunate that, you know, either one of those is a possibility or a reality that, yep. I mean, that's why you hear, story. I saw a tweet today from someone who played for the Bills in the 90s saying, yeah, we had gay players on our team then. And I'm like, I'm not surprised. No. <laughs> it's it's not surprising. It's just, you know, at, at the time they couldn't say anything because they knew they'd get cut. I mean, honestly, man, like seven days ago, you, people couldn't say anything. Right? Like, that's not the problem. Is that wasn't just in the nineties. It's like we're in twenty twenty one, and we have the first. Yeah. I mean, like for a country and for a sport that, that supposedly represents the country, mm-hmm. for a country that like claims to be this like bastion of democracy, like, and, and really is a world too. It's not just the country. Like, there's something a shame, like shameful 
about that that like it's 2021 and we have the first nfl player to come out and like i again i think carl nassib's a good player i am positive again just statistically speaking there's a star in the nfl probably more than one that's gay that doesn't feel comfortable coming out because they're worried about the consequences yeah absolutely and, and you know maybe this helps propel um some of someone who's a star player who also happens to be maybe i don't know but what i do think is that it's going to make it it's a step forward in the right direction at the at the the absolute least it's a step forward i oh yeah no argument for i think it's a giant step forward i think it will help some of the younger people currently maybe in middle school or high school or possibly college feel more comfortable with teammates knowing. Yep. Which is important. It's enormous. Because while on the NFL level it's great, however, if you don't, if it doesn't go down and doesn't start earlier, it's it's kind of hard to make the change at the end level, that end level being the NFL. Right. Right. No, it, it, it takes time. All this stuff takes time. It's going to take a long time, but my hope is this is really the start. Yes. And let's let's move on to our, our next topic here, because I think we covered the Carl Nassib topic quite extensively, quite thoroughly. Yes. yes. And again, happy for you, Carl. But <clears throat> there was a tweet from Pro Football Focus last week. And uh, I quote tweeted it, and which led to you uh, interacting with my quote tweet. But uh, projected contract extensions for the 2018 quarterback class, who deserves the largest payday? This is per Brad Spielberger. He had Baker Mayfield at four years, 165, four years for Lamar Jackson at 166, and four years for Josh Allen at 168. Those were really close together, and I'm not sure why. I mean, I, I think, so I don't think he's wrong, right? I think if the Browns were to give Baker an extension this summer, that's probably what he would be asking for. Um, and that's my concern, right? Like, yeah, the, this argument that I would rather pay him that than have to pay him next year, four years, 200. Uh, I totally disagree with that. Like, if he's so good next year that he's going to get more after that, fantastic. Take our money. Mm-hmm. Right? Like. And, and to me, it gets to this idea of tears, right? And, and I think that's kind of what we're going to talk about for a little bit. But, like, yeah. guys like Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson fit in this tier mm-hmm. where you're giving them the money and you're happy about it. Yes. Right? Like, they are star quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I worry that Baker, you put him in that salary tier, and all of a sudden his value as a quarterback goes really far down because the dollar per dollar play you're getting goes down. Yes. And, like, I'm trying to think, like, who would I have in that first year, right? Like, Mahomes, Allen, Jackson, for sure. Probably Tom Brady still at this point, because even though I'm not sure how great, like, he is on the field, like, it seems like his leadership and just Mm -hmm. his brain are that useful. Uh, That Aaron Rodgers guy. Yeah. I'm trying to think who else. Who else would you have? Um, Maybe Dak. Maybe. Yeah. He's kind of like that borderline. That's when you start getting to you're unsure 
is you know right. like, you like, like, like to you're one and a half. Russell Wilson, I, I would so be that next kind of step down. Look, like I know this is weird. I don't know that Russell Wilson's a better quarterback than Dak Prescott. Yeah, like I, I don't. I, I I know Russell Wilson. Like we know who he is, and mm-hmm. we know he can be great. We saw what happened last year when they were letting him throw the ball more. Yeah. Right? And I don't, like, we also saw what the Cowboys, when Dak was healthy, what that offense looked like. Like, the defense couldn't stop you and me out there. But, like, that <laughs> offense, like, Dak was throwing, like, 40, 50 times a game and just demolishing teams. Yeah. It's like, I think Dak can. And I think that's that says something. But, yeah, like, there's, like, this tier one and a half, right? Maybe even tier two, where, like, you have, like, Dak, Russell Wilson, Stafford, well, Stafford, yeah, like guys that you're not thrilled about having to pay it to, but you're also kind of like, you know what, they're good at, like, we can win with them making this much money. You can justify the contract at the end of the day. Right. You can justify right. it. Right. Like, the, the, the dollar per play value is not ideal, but it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. You can build a winning team with it. Um, it's not like that top tier to me is it doesn't matter how much you pay them. The, the value is going to be higher on the play side. Like you are getting more for your money just by having them play for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, people can say whatever they want about Mahomes, like in that he has to drop back far. Like, I don't think there's a young quarterback in the NFL. I would take over Mahomes. I, Josh Allen would be close, but beyond like Justin Herbert, maybe. I, I'm interested to see how he plays this year. I want to see one more year out of him before putting him in that category, but he's, like, on the fringe of that. Yeah, right, right. And, like, I guess in the Tier 2 would be, I would have a guy like Kyler Murray, right? Like, along with Dak and Russell mm-hmm. Wilson. But he may be Tier 3. Like, Kyler Murray's a weird one, too, because if you look at his numbers, like, his basic counting stats, they're great. Yeah. But, like, when you watch him, there's just – and I don't know if it is the offensive play calling or if it's him, but they're just – like. I don't feel like he's going to win me a game. I, I think it's it's a combination of the play calling. And I do think as much as people like to, I guess, have been trying to shoot down this line of thinking, I think he's too short. Yeah. Well, and it's, this is what I never understood, right, about this height comment. Like, nobody's saying, like, if you're short, you're inherently going to be a bad quarterback. But, like, the, the response, which is, oh, what about Drew Brees or Russell Wilson? Like, you pick, like, two guys in 20 years. Like, height does matter. I don't think it matters in the way we once thought it did. Yeah. But, like, and it, height means you cannot deal with interior pressure, right? That's why the Browns' offense always sucks when we go up against a good defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. Like, every time. Yeah. It sucks. And, like, Stefanski figured that out towards the end of the year, which was awesome. But, like, Baker can't throw against that. Yeah, and you also have to worry about um, passing lanes becoming clogged with a shorter quarterback, which is right. why it was very crucial that they, that the Browns incorporated so many rollouts into their offense. It got him away from the pressure, got him away from the tall linemen, and there were no clogged throwing lanes. He had open at open ways to throw, and that was perfect. That's right. how you and counter you and I that. Talked like, yeah, you and I talked after week one where we got our butts handed to us by the Ravens. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying, like, this narrative that Baker's rolling out too much, to me, was wrong. Yeah. It wasn't that he was rolling out too much. It was that he wasn't good when he was rolling out. And I I think you're right. Like, Stefanski figured out a way to make it so Baker was effective at doing that. And 
I, I think the... Let me just, uh, I guess, clarify. The, the issue I really had with Baker previously, prior to last season, wasn't he was rolling out. It was that he was freelancing rolling out. It was more right. scrambling right. than right. a designed rollout. And that's why I think the issues come to him. When it's a, yeah. when it's a, a bailout rollout or a bailout right. scramble, that's, that's when I think issues come. Right. While he does have some, some fantastic plays he makes from time to time, but he is much better on the design rollout than the, oh, crap, I have to run now. Yeah, like, I actually would posit, like, Baker's actually a really good quarterback on design rollouts. Yeah. Like, I think he's really good. I, and, again, that is why this offense is so important, right? People can say whatever they want. You can't do rollouts without this offensive scheme. Not like we're doing, right? And the reason you can do rollouts in this scheme is every pass and every throw look the same at the start of the snap. Mm-hmm. And that lets you do these rollouts. So I, I still like, and this gets back to the tier thing and the contract thing, right? I, Baker to me is a system quarterback. I think he could be, and we have to see, I don't think he's been consistent enough to really guarantee this, but like, even if he has a really good year this year, I think he's a system quarterback and you can always find a coach for this system, but he's a system quarterback. Yeah. I mean, and Kyler Murray's shorter than Baker is. He is. He is. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with the system quarterback, but it's important to identify whether or not you do have a system quarterback. Right. Because what you pay a system quarterback versus what you pay a franchise system doesn't matter quarterback is substantially different. And well, yeah, go, and, sorry. Oh, and while uh, there's a conversation that needs to be had about Lamar Jackson in regards to his skill set and the way the Ravens do things, with Josh Allen. He's a guy who you pay because he's a franchise quarterback. System doesn't matter, in my opinion. Lamar Jackson, That's there's a conversation that needs to be had there, much like there needs to be have a conversation about the Browns and Baker. But the difference is, is that Lamar Jackson's what makes that offense go, while Baker is merely a part of it. And I right. think that would should reflect in the difference of, of contract value and overall salaries. Exactly. Well, and I mean... Like, here's the thing, man. Like, if Baker is a system quarterback, no matter how great he is, and actually, honestly, the better he is in this system, mm-hmm. the more it means you cannot afford to lose Nick Chubb. Correct. Right? Which gives Nick Chubb leverage. And then it gives you offensive lineman leverage. And then all of a sudden, you're going to have to move on from your receiving core. Mm-hmm. Right? So, I mean, I am fine giving Baker the Derek Carr extension. I know he's going to want more than that which is why I don't think they're going to re-sign him this summer. I think they're going to let it play out another year. I, I do too, especially considering that they've had no substantial talks at the moment, which, you know, I saw some people were mad about it, and I saw people on talk radio trying to start a conversation about it, being like, why wouldn't you want him? Uh, why would you wait? You want to do a deal with ASAP? But I think that was more just a little bit more pandering than I think it was genuine analysis of the situation. But waiting to, to have a better idea of who he is and who's more responsible for his production, I think, is the best. It's a, it's a win-win for both sides, honestly. Oh, 100%. I, 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 right, because if you're Baker, right? And, like, the one thing I will say, like, the intangible I love about Baker is, like, Baker is willing to bet on himself, like, to a weirdly, like, confident degree, yeah. which at times is a problem. But, like, I think... Both sides right now would prob are better off. Like, 
if you're talking about like a decision tree, right? Like, yeah, the optimal deal for the Browns is Baker takes an extension that is basically the Derek Carr extension. The optimal deal for Baker is this uh, quote tweet, right? The four years, 165 yeah. million. Um, I think, or actually, I think for Baker, it's like four years, 200 million is the optimal deal. And yeah. neither side is willing to go give the other side the optimal deal, which means the optimal deal is just wait the year. Mm-hmm. If Baker plays out of his mind in like MVP level, he's going to get his money. And you know what? If you're the Browns, you suck it up and do it. Yeah, because you know what you found out? You found out you have a legitimate franchise quarterback. And right. you know what? You have to even pay a little extra. Even if he's a system guy. Right. Like, even if he's a system guy, like, mm-hmm. you then have Russell Wilson. And, yeah, again, you just you deal with it. Right? Like, you just yeah. deal with it. If he's, if he's that good that he's getting paid that much, then, on the other hand, he shouldn't need all of the, you know, supercharged offensive teammates that he has. You can divert a little bit money away from the offense, some to him, some to the defense, and still be a good team. But we don't know that he is that good or even anywhere even approaching that conversation. I mean, like, so this gets to me like the dangerous tier. And I, I don't know if this is like, I guess by a salary level, they would still be tier one, like all three of these guys. Yeah. But Lamar and Baker to me fit like this dangerous tier, like the Jared Goff, with his extension like mm-hmm. these guys that you have evidence they can be really really good they're probably system quarterbacks but the question is can you afford to not live with them and so they get paid boatloads and yeah. to me that is the that is almost as bad as not having a quarterback yeah maybe it's worse because because then you're stuck yeah at least like, you just if you're stuck in the and the uh the spiral of ever-changing quarterbacks trying to find one. You're not committing a whole bunch of money to those guys, ideally. And so it gives you a little bit more flexibility. If you're paying a quarterback and the quarterback's just not what you thought he was going to be or not good, well, it's like, well, can't really do much here. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this. Like, we both agreed. What the Rams gave up to get Stafford while trading Goff, I don't think was a lot because – Given like how bad that golf contract was, you don't want to be stuck with that. No, you really don't. Because when you get stuck with a contract like that, and you know we we've talked about it many times, you know contrary to what Andrew Barry said, uh, the Jared Goff and Carson Wentz situations are cautionary tales. Okay, because that's what happens when you overpay a quarterback too quickly or too early. Both those guys aren't on their teams anymore, and those teams. The Rams are in a good enough spot somehow. I don't know how they managed to be still in a good spot, but the Eagles are in shambles. Yeah. The Eagles are going to probably be the worst team in that division this year, and we're, we'll talk about that in a few weeks, I think. But, yeah, like, we will. I, I just don't – this is the danger of – right. And do I believe Andrew Barry actually believed that when he said it? No. Uh, if you had asked me a few months ago, I would have said, yeah, but not after the draft, not after the interviews he's made. Yeah, right? th- not after – having more information from from what he said and how he views things, I don't actually think he, he believes that. I think he was, uh, I guess to a little throwback what we said earlier, he's playing politics a little bit. Yep. yep. <laughs> right. right, right. And it's smart, right? Because a mad baker's not what you want. No. But, but it is a cautionary tale. It's a really, like, 
again, the Rams have a really smart front office that made one really big mistake, and they've actually been able to get away from it, right? I mean, yeah. they, they were a playoff team last year. I, I think they will be a playoff team again this year. But they got lucky. They did. Because I think the Eagles also have a good front office. I don't know that it's as good as some people rate it, but I think it's a good front office. And they made one mistake, and I think that set the franchise back four or five years. I think I think it did too. Because, I mean, look what happened. They, they paid Carson Wentz too early. He kept getting hurt. They drafted his replacement while he was still there. And then they shipped him out of town while firing the coach. Right. Like, that's just an all-out disaster. Yeah. No, it's really bad, right? And I, I just, I don't, I, I don't feel like paying, so paying Carson Wentz came with concerns that are not the same as paying Baker, Correct. but I think Jared Goff was very similar, right? Yes. Jared Goff benefited from having Doogie Hauser as his offensive coordinator, <laughs> right? Like, and, and, and Baker's benefiting from not dissimilar, right? Like, yeah. This is a system that makes quarterbacks look good. Yeah. period yeah. it makes them look good and we've seen great quarterbacks in this system like last year when Aaron Rodgers won the MVP right mm-hmm. and we've seen guys like Baker Jared Goff Jimmy Garoppolo who all look like solid quarterbacks in the system Kirk Cousins too like they look solid to good and I, I, th- I am guilty of this like I think we end up overrating them because yes. the second that coach goes or the second that team is hit with any sort of problem they collapse. Mm-hmm. And that's 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 a big issue. It, it really is. Why do you think the 49ers drafted Trey Lance? It's not because they're happy with Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> right. They they identified that their quarterback, who is not too dissimilar from Baker, could only get them so far. The Rams did the exact same thing with Jared Goff. They realized that he can only take them so far. He got them to a Super Bowl. I don't know how, but he did. And that was some ugly offense in that Super Bowl. Right. And so my question is, would you rather have Trey Lance or Jared Goff? And the answer you're going to give that anybody would, who's intelligent would give is Trey Lance, right? Yes. Even though Trey Lance is an unknown, you're paying him pennies. Mm-hmm. And he could be really great. And I know it's tough to hear that as a Browns fan. Like, trust me, the last thing I want is to be going through this quarterback carousel again. But at some point, like, you don't have a choice. Right? Like, it, at some point, it, you max out. And with Baker, my fear about that max out is that the Bengals get good, the Ravens stay good, and the Steelers rebuild. Mm-hmm. And then the Browns are stuck with the not again, not this summer, not this past year, but the year before with what happened with the Rams. Yeah. Right then, all of a sudden, you can't make the play. And the Rams did a great job. Again, I'm not mm-hmm. saying they didn't, but like, do you think this Rams team last year with the stud defense and the great coordinators would ever win a Super Bowl? I mean, maybe if they got lucky. Yeah. Maybe. But like, I wouldn't bet on it. They would not have been one of the top teams I would have bet on. I probably would have gotten them where they got because I love their defense, but that offense, despite having Sean McVay, who, again, I think is probably the best offensive coordinator in football, despite that, mm-hmm. they they could not win. No, they, they couldn't. <laughs> it was, it was it, just 
it was an uphill battle they weren't going to win right and i'm not i'm not trying to say that's baker right i theoretically it's plausible that baker turns around and next year plays just like he did at the end of last season for an entire season at such a level where he's not turning the ball over maybe we expand the offense a little bit like this is in the world of possibilities in which case again you you do the russell Wilson thing Mm -hmm. you suck it up and you pay him but what if he doesn't right like what if baker's just what he was the full part of last year yeah then you're screwed that then you lose nick chubb you Mm -hmm. lose denzel ward you, you probably lose Odell, and, and you may be able to keep Landry around. Mm-hmm. You got to get rid of Hooper. You're not. You may be able to re-sign Treader. I think it, if that's the world you're in, you don't have a choice. You have to pay Treader a huge contract. Mm-hmm. The defense is not going to get much better because you can't afford to keep anybody. Yeah, like the, these things have massive implications. Mm-hmm. Had the Rams not traded Jared Goff this year, they would have needed to rebuild that entire defense. Yeah, absolutely. Which is unfortunate. Like, that defense is incredible. Nobody wants to see that happen. But I think what the Bears did this year is really intelligent. Mm-hmm. And I know they've gotten crap for, like, not being able to find a quarterback, but they didn't give Mitch this big extension two years ago after he had that really good season got them to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And they, they waited. And they said he wasn't position. the guy. Right. And they were in a position, like, it doesn't matter your views on Justin Fields. Like, they were in a position to draft a quarterback ranked in pretty much everybody's top three quarterbacks in the draft Mm -hmm. they were able to draft him right like that to me is good planning right if baker looks next year like he did the first like when freddie kitchens was coach Mm -hmm. then not giving him that extension means hey baker it's been real it's been fun hasn't been real fun we'll see you later yeah that's smart yeah, there, there, there's they should be in no rush to, to sign an extension uh, with him, in, in in my opinion, and especially not one with the this high of salary for him either. Because when you're paying a guy forty million dollars, he's supposed to be the guy that's he's running the show. He's the guy that is is he's the guy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, he hasn't, he hasn't like, shown he is yet. Like maybe just, maybe he gets there, right, right. Like it just, I again, I want to love watching Baker play because mm-hmm. I, I find his personality is just like a fan of the sport to be somewhat like fun, right? Like it's it's fun, it's fun to have like an us against the world mentality, which I think Baker will always have. But again, not just similar to Aaron Rodgers. Like Aaron Rodgers always has this us against the world mentality, mm-hmm. and I think that's fun. I, th- I want him to work because it means Kevin Stefanski gets to open up an offense that I think Kevin Stefanski's hiding a lot of stuff in because he doesn't trust Baker. Yeah. So I, I want to see all of this. But y- you can't just assume you're going to see it because he had six to eight good games to end the season. Yeah. That's 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 true. I mean, we, we know the dangers of putting too much stock into just a handful of games with Baker Mayfield. We've all done it once, okay? Granted, the circumstances were different, but we've all done it once. It's important to be careful, wait for more information, wait for more data, so we have a better idea of what we're seeing. Right. I mean, I just... Like, 
I saw this comparison, like, oh, well, you know, if he's Ryan Tannehill, then, yeah, it sucks, but, like, Ryan Tannehill's getting the Titans to the playoffs every year. And, like, despite the fact that the Titans aren't winning in the playoffs, like, I guess I could see the point. Like, they got to the AFC Championship game. Whatever, I'll take that point. Like, yeah. let's say Ryan Tannehill is in that tier two, mm-hmm. uh, especially he's not getting paid a lot. So, or I guess now he is. But, like, let's say he's in that tier two with Russell Wilson and all those guys. I don't think he is, but I can hear the argument. Ryan Tannehill's biggest problem is he doesn't have ups, right? Like, mm-hmm. Ryan Tannehill, you know what you're getting every single game. Yeah. If that was Baker, again, would I love paying him that much money? No. Would I really rank him that tier two? Eh, probably not. But, like, it's okay. You can live with that, right? Because then you have money, you can build the offense in a way, and you hope you get lucky. You mm-hmm. make the playoffs every year. Baker hasn't shown that. Like, I, I, this may be an unpopular opinion, because it doesn't fit like fantasy football, but I would rather have a consistent quarterback that doesn't have the ups than an inconsistent quarterback with the massive ups and downs. Because week after week, you don't know what you're getting from Baker. Week after week, you know exactly what you're getting with Brian Tanner, which means you know exactly what it takes to win a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, I, just, I just looked up Tannehill's contract. This year is not bad from a money perspective, but holy crap, next year and beyond is brutal. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a team that could regret that contract. We'll we'll have to see. I think losing Arthur Smith, who I think, I, I love Kevin Spansky, I love Sean McVay, I love Kyle Shanahan. Mm-hmm. I, I think Arthur Smith is maybe the best offensive play caller in the NFL. Yeah, he's really good. But, you know, looking at the contract um, of Tannehill here, uh, paired with the contract of Derrick Henry, they have outs, which gives them flexibility. So they have right. outs. They're a good front office. They're a good front office. They, they have, and that's what the Browns have to do. Yeah, they pretty much have to do that. But let's let's play a hypothetical uh, uh, exercise here. Then we'll talk about uh, two other players you mentioned just a few minutes ago. Uh, let's pretend Josh Allen gets this four years, 168. What should the four-year total value of their contracts for Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield be, in your opinion? Uh, I mean... If you're the Ravens because he won MVP, I think you have to pay him the 165, 160 to 165. I, I just think you have to because mm-hmm. otherwise he'll demand a trade and you're going to get pennies on the dollar for him. Okay. I I don't know that I even feel comfortable giving. For me, Baker, the problem isn't the money, it's the years. Mm-hmm. Like four years with Lamar Jackson, he yeah, has a lot of money, but the system's built right you know you will be a playoff team every year you get lucky one year and that's all that matters Mm -hmm. baker like i four years means you this like this outside zone scheme better work and i i think it can but it's not as unique as the ravens do right like the ravens are just gonna win games because teams aren't prepared not for lack of trying just you never face anything like that and if you do you face it once maybe twice a year if you're in the division Right, exactly. And that's and so, if you can face them in the regular season. You might only face them in the playoffs. Right, and I'm like I am telling you, this outside zone scheme is going everywhere. The Falcons are going to have it now. Obviously, like the big three that we all like: Browns, Rams, Niners. The Packers have it. Mm-hmm. I am telling you, it is going to spread, and teams are going to figure out how to beat teams like the Browns with a quarterback like Baker, or like mm-hmm. the Titans with a quarterback like Tannehill. Like, yeah. Because, listen, if Trey Lance is as good as some people think he is, they're screwed on that front. 
mm-hmm. right? You're, you're not going to be able to stop that offense. Yeah. But but you deal with that, right? You're like, okay, you know what? We may not be able to stop that offense, but we're not going to prepare to stop that offense. We're going to prepare to stop the Browns. Yeah. And, and that may not be for three, two, three more years, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's possible that it takes a few more years. But like when Baker, you have Baker for four years, you better know that we can get around that problem. You better know. Yeah. I don't, I mean, that's my view. So the, the way I look at it, pre, uh, pretending Josh Allen gets this four one sixty eight, which I think is going to be lower than what he actually gets. Um, <laughs> uh, I would probably have Lamar in the 150 to 160 range mm-hmm. for what he gets only because while he did win an MVP, Josh Allen hasn't. The, the one issue Lamar had coming into the NFL, which he still has an issue with, is his, his arm, his throwing. So that 150, 160, a little bit lower than a guy that's you've seen develop and blossom into uh, you know an MVP-level quarterback, and that's Josh Allen, even though mm-hmm. Lamar already has it. But for Baker, like 120, 130 max, honestly. Yeah, I mean, again, for me, it's not just the money, it's the years. It is the years, too, but I'm just looking from the, from the dollar figure perspective what it should be. I think that's what it should be. And I'm still, that still that makes me a little nervous and edgy knowing, you know, when, or on edge, just knowing that you're paying Baker Mayfield $30 million and he's not like a top tier quarterback. You're still paying him a lot of money over a short I mean, period of time. Honestly, what I would rather do in that situation is front load it. So like pay him like 50 million over each of the next two years. And then, so the salary goes down and, yeah. and the NFL, the way this works is they obviously like finagle it. Right. Mm-hmm. So yes, he's getting the same every year, but for cap reasons, they say he's getting a lot more. Yeah. The first few years because it makes it easier to cut him. Mm-hmm. Um, with, or, or to trade him like that is and i would be willing to pay him more money if he would be willing to do that yeah okay but but if he's not willing to do that if he wants even distribution or even worse more at the end mm-hmm. I, i'm not extending them like i don't like not even for the 120 million i'm not doing it yeah it's too dangerous it, it it's such until we know right until we know what he is which we don't until we do, I'm not paying him that. Yeah, I know that's conservative. I know that's cautious. But I would rather be conservative and cautious than aggressive and in a rebuild you can't get out of. Yes, I agree with that 100%. Uh, I, I know we're about to wrap things up here, but there, in my opinion, there are only two players that they should even be thinking about contract extensions with who are not Baker Mayfield. And one is Denzel Ward. That's the number one priority, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one is a discussion you have and that's Nick Chubb and we've, we've talked about this before, but uh, ideally a Derrick Henry style contract, maybe a little bit less than what he got because Derrick Henry has eclipsed him in rushing yards a couple times. Uh, and Derrick Henry at this moment in time is performed as the better back overall, yeah. but a similar style deal where the Browns can get out of it after two years and they're not on the hook for a whole bunch of dead money. But is I think we both agreed that that's the ideal extension. If they give him an extension, don't just tag him once or twice and let him walk. Right. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I think to me, it's just amazing. The NFL is Derek Henry and Nick Chubb right now. Like mm-hmm. they are just incredible, but I agree. I, I think to me, one is Denzel Ward because that like, we've seen this defense without Denzel Ward. And it's atrocious. <laughs> it, it's really bad. It's really, really bad. Like, 
I know Denzel Ward has the injury problems, and like I get it, and that's something you take into consideration. You bring in a negotiation. Yes. But Denzel Ward, when he is healthy, is like a game changer defensively. Yes. So and and so I yeah I agree. I prioritize Denzel Ward, and then after that, Nick Chubb. I I would not give anybody else extensions on this roster. Oh no, not yeah. yet. Maybe later on in yeah. the season, but not yet. Maybe during the season you approach a, a Wyatt Teller, even though I probably wouldn't. Uh, give him an extension. Uh, you don't even uh, even think about extensions for Najoku or Higgins. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, everybody, you, you don't. Um, so you look at those. You look at maybe someone like a Treader, mm-hmm. but that that's really about it, honestly. Yeah. But those are yep. during during later in the season or after the season discussions. Those aren't before or early in the season things that need to happen for this team. But, yeah, they, they, they're not on the list. You know, just something that I, I mentioned in the last thing I wrote was uh, about Baker and the whole contract thing was you prioritize Denzel Ward, you have a conversation with Nick Chubb, you wait till after the year for Baker. Right. I totally agree with that. I yeah. totally agree with that. Yeah, and so that'll wrap it up here for uh, this episode of the This Is Believe One podcast. You know, check back next week. We'll have some new fun stuff coming up in the future. In the meantime, remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Uh, This is also available on SoundCloud, Spotify. Uh, YouTube is also available. It'll also appear on the website as always. And... You know, thanks for uh, thanks for sticking around and listening. Anything you would like to uh, part with there, Jordan? Just keep posted on the podcast. Big things coming. Big things are happening. All right. Thanks for listening.